everyone. Welcome back to the Curriculum Podcast. We are now starting off the spring 2021 semester. It's crazy, but we made it to 2021. And also, we're welcoming our freshmen into our podcast. So um, welcome, freshmen. We're glad that you're here. And um, welcome back, all our discipleship students. But this semester, we are going to continue this theme of cultivate, where we are cultivating a life with Christ. Um, Last semester, if you were here, we started off about like learning about who God is. Then we learned about prayer from the Lord's Prayer. And then this semester, we are going to take a look at Scripture and learn how to read Scripture by going through the Book of Romans. So to start us off this week, I have Derek here with us. Howdy. And um, let's just start off. Derek, can you just tell us a little bit about the Book of Romans and why we chose to go through it this semester? Yeah, absolutely. Well, we knew that kind of the start when we were talking about what are we going to do in the spring that we wanted to just focus on one Bible book. And that's something that we go back to time and time again. You know, we like to do kind of fun themes like cultivate or topical studies, but what we just kind of keep going back to is jumping into God's word and and trying to really go deep in a particular book instead of just, you know, splattering different verses all over the wall. And 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 so the question was then, well, which book? And and Romans again is kind Kind of one of those main, uh, you know, big wall of China books where it's just like, this is one of the most important books in the Bible. It, it has so many different rich themes in it. Uh, I, I've kind of said, in, and I think in the book it says this, that uh, it's kind of at once a landmine because there's so many like dangerous theological questions that it, that it brings up, but also it's a gold mine because there's so many rich resources for our faith and for our walk with Christ in Romans. And so we're going to just kind of walk through the book uh, as you would read it, kind of uh, starting with chapter one and, and going through most of the chapters, we won't have a, uh, we won't go through every single word in Romans in the curriculum, but we do encourage you to read along with us as we, as we go through the book and, and kind of fill as, as, you know, fill in the gaps a little bit, the, the things that we don't read, the sections we don't read, um, to just kind of read on your own because we think that will really help fill in the context. But, um, yeah, we're just going to, we're going to kind of focus in on some, some different key passages in Romans and, and kind of see how those uh, are cultivating our lives and hearts. Yeah. So I just want to reiterate something you said. Um, It would just be so cool if we could all look back on the semester and say, like, we studied the whole book of Romans together. Like I read that whole book of scripture. And so maybe you're someone who hasn't read a whole, like gone through and read a whole book. So this is your opportunity. So even in the passages that we don't focus in on the semester, um, please just go and still read it as we're going along. Um, Because I do think, like Derek says, it'll help fill in context um, and it'll just be like a nice like at home rhythm to be doing. So like he said, we're going to focus in on some certain passages throughout the semester, um, but this week is going to look a little different. So Derek, can you tell us about that? Absolutely. So yeah, we we are going to read a passage in Romans for this kind of first week where you'll, I, I think it's Romans 1, 1 through 15, uh, but we're not going to really discuss it in group. And so there, there will be some time for you to reflect on that passage uh, before going into group. But is this kind of this, this is just kind of going to be kind of an introductory week where we kind of step back and think uh, about 
how we read the Bible a little bit. And not only how we read the Bible, but kind of how we participate in uh, the Christian life and in the Christian faith. And and how we are gonna kind of do this is by looking at different streams, uh, okay? And so this this word stream, stream, it comes from a book from by Richard Foster, Streams of Living Water. And in that book, he looks at six different traditions in the Christian faith throughout the history of the Christian faith uh, that, that have really shaped the, the Christian faith today. And that, that still so many churches, denominations, um, traditions really uh, are rooted in one of these six streams. And so what we wanna do is, is just kind of have a conversation around these different streams of living water, these six traditions of the church um, that we really are all influenced by, even mm-hmm. if we don't recognize. And I think that's a really important point is that we're not trying to say that these traditions or being in one of these traditions is a bad thing, not at all. But we do think that it's a good thing to be aware of the tradition that you come from, um, the tendencies within that tradition, some of maybe the problems that can arise, some of the history behind it, and then as well as some of the good spiritual practices that these traditions can provide, and some of which we may even be neglecting in our own lives without even recognizing it. And so this first week is just going to be a conversation around these streams of living water, and that will also kind of allow you to, uh, in your group, just kind of ease back into the to the semester and, and kind of get used to being in group again. We know you're going to kind of have some conversations about, you know, how, how the Christmas break was and what's going on in the world and all that. So, this will be just kind of an introductory week. Mm-hmm. And I just love this book, Streams of Living Water. I read it a couple years ago. Yeah, great, it really yeah. transformed um, the way I live out mission in the image of Christ. And so I'm so, so excited that Derek put this together for us. And I think maybe the best way that we can go through is to talk about each of these traditions one by one. And hopefully as you're listening, you'll just hear one or two and be like, wow, I just see that in my life. Or you might hear one that you're like, I could live into that a little more. And hopefully when you go to group, everyone will have different traditions that they recognize in themselves. And it'll be like this beautiful image of the church because we all are just made differently. And that will be expressed through a lot of these different traditions. So Derek, can you start off by telling us about the contemplative Yes. So I just want to say at the start too that there's there are some great resources online that are more that are about these different traditions. There's a resource that I use from Renovare. Uh, it's it, which is a, kind of an online resource uh, place that that kind of broke down each of these traditions, said a little bit more about it. Of course, you can read the whole book if you'd like the Richard Foster book. I suspect most of you won't go ho- read a whole book, but uh, yeah, there's some just great articles that sum it up. And I've and I'm borrowing from this article as well as from the Foster book. Um, and I also want to say, just as a caveat up front, that you know, I'm, I'm going to kind of give you a historical movement with each tradition, but that's certainly not the only place for most of these traditions um, that the stream is really rooted in. Mm-hmm. It just kind of gives you an example of how this has manifested itself in the church. So the contemplative tradition, I love this quote about it. Is I think this is from the Foster book, actually. It says, the contemplative tradition is the steady state, the steady gaze of the soul upon the God who loves us. And this tradition really emphasizes solitude, silence, and personal prayer. And that's really going to be um, the, the kind of heart of this, this spiritual practice of solitude, of being alone. Uh, and so, one of the historical movements that that, crop, that comes up when we're thinking about solitude is, is obviously monasticism. And so, uh, you know, when you think about, there's, there's a monastery near here, um, the Abbey of Gethsemane, where there are just monks living um, in, in most, mostly in silence, and they pray six times a day. And there's just I think that's just really a beautiful expression of this tradition is that they've they've 
devoted their entire lives to to being silent and, and to being in solitude and praying for uh, praying for the world. And so that's really what this tradition, this sort of contemplative tradition will emphasize. Yeah, um, I think it's always so important for us to just have that space. Like in that verse you said from, it doesn't say where, but Jesus said, and when you pray, go into your room and close the door. This idea of just like getting away and being free of distraction where we can just fully focus on the Lord alone. Yeah, and I I did want to add too that I think this one is probably one that is maybe especially needed. Uh, I think all of these streams are present in, you know, throughout church history and are important, certainly, especially the spiritual practices that kind of flow from them. Um, but this is one where we just think about the world that we live in and just this barrage of, of, people vying for our attention and we see advertisements everywhere and we always have our phone on us. And um, it's just sometimes really difficult to find solitude and silence. But it, traditionally, this has been um, you know, a place that this has been one of the most important parts about the Christian life is mm-hmm. being able to find that, um, that place of solitude. And so, it's something I think I'd really recommend you um, trying to live into more if it's something that, that you usually neglect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even that just even sparked in my mind that a lot of these traditions have been carried by the church for the length of the church. Yeah, absolutely. And so I just think that emphasized the importance of all these different traditions that we're talking about. Yes. And so next, can you tell us about the holiness tradition? Sure. Yeah. So the holiness tradition is going to uh, emphasize personal piety and um, kind of a personal transformation through virtue, through living a virtuous life. Uh, so, you know, just a really easy historical movement is Methodism. So maybe some of you grew up in a Methodist church. Uh, if you know Asbury down the road, that's that they have some ties to Methodism. Methodism, um, and that kind of draws its its um, the line back to John Wesley, who was an Anglican minister who formed this kind of small group, and they got the, this name Methodist because of their rigid schedule and the way that they really pursued holiness. It was actually kind of a derogatory term because of how strict they were in their pursuit of holiness. Um, and, and so, I think a spiritual practice that we might think of with the holiness tradition is fasting. And of course, I think fasting has to be others directed, um, but it also fasting and other spiritual similar practices, I think really get to personal transformation as well, because they invite us to sort of set our sights on God instead of looking at what the world can offer. And so, a holiness tradition is really going to emphasize um, not just getting, sort of getting caught up in, in the ordinary things of life, but also being sure that, that we are really seeking virtue and that we are um, pushing out things in our life that can be uh, sources of temptation for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, how about the charismatic? Yeah, I think this is when that, um, at least for me, when I think of CSF, I think this is one that it, it kind of, there's an, a lot of overlap here. Um, and, and this, the charismatic tradition can, can mean a lot of different things. I, I think Foster says this, but he basically says every tradition has to be, every any, any tradition that's actually going to be called a Christian tradition has to be charismatic to some degree, mm-hmm. because the charismatic tradition just means life in the spirit. Um, and, and of course, like the Christian life is, part of it is being indwelled by the Holy Spirit. Um, we are the body of Christ because of the Spirit's work uh, in, in our lives as, as a corporate group, as a body. Uh, and so, we can't, you know, this is not a tradition that we can neglect. You know, if, if you're going to be a truly Christian tradition. But of course, there are some streams, some traditions that um, maybe uh, emphasize this, uh, this sort of the charismatic gifts of the Spirit a little bit more than other traditions. Uh, and so, we might think of the, these as like, 
you know, really evident, clear manifestations of the Spirit's power. So one of the, the historical movement that you might point to is the Azusa Street Revival, which was a, a Pentecostal revival in the early 1900s in Los Angeles. And it lasted for days. There were reports of you know, miracles and physical healings, speaking in tongues, all, all that sort of things. Uh, and, and really a lot of Pentecostal churches trace their roots back to, to this revival. And so I think when we look at the history of the church, that's one of the places that this really sticks out. So you might think of things like speaking in tongues, prophetic words, um, miraculous healings. Again, if you've been around CSF long, you've probably heard at least some people talking about this um, at some point. Uh, so uh, this tradition is obviously still alive and present. And it, it really just emphasizes that God is at work in us, like just like he was at work you know, 2000 years ago with the apostles who, who clearly did um, some miraculous things. And so that's what the charismatic tradition is really going to emphasize. Yeah. And I think that sometimes we hear the charismatic or Pentecostal and we just get a, like a little fearful um, yeah. because there has been a neglect of the Spirit's work in the church. And so this will be a really interesting one to talk about and to really invite um, the Spirit into the life we are living. Yes, absolutely. I think so. Um, how about the social justice tradition? Sure. And so this is one that I think has probably risen to the forefront in a lot of people's minds, especially in the last year or so. But um, really just generally it expresses a concern for love and justice and peace in the world that we live in, especially a, a care for the poor and marginalized. And so I think even personal transformation is going to be seen through this lens, right? Like what it means to be more like Christ is to associate ourselves more with those who are marginalized and victimized and to be with those people and to find Christ among them. And so uh, maybe one historical movement that we could think of is, is the civil rights movement, which in, in the 60s, a lot of it was led by Christians. Of course, there are um, sadly Christians on the other side of that as well. But um, even you think of someone like Martin Luther King Jr., who was a pastor, and a lot of his writings are, I think, a vibrant example of this tradition. He really emphasized the Christian responsibility to care for the least of these, especially the oppressed and marginalized and vulnerable. And so, uh, you know, I think the spiritual practice that we might associate with this tradition is that sort of care for, for the poor, for the, for the marginalized groups in our society. Um, you might think of like, you know, soup kitchens or like mm -hmm. serving in a soup kitchen or something like that as, as a more tangible example is just trying to feed the hungry um, or, or clothe the naked, clothe the people in need. Um, and so this this has been around obviously for a long time and, and kind of like, I think really all of these traditions, as you've probably noticed in maybe a pattern is that being a Christian involves like all of them. You can't just completely neglect one or the other. And, and I probably should have been clear up front that these are obviously not mutually exclusive. It's not like, okay, I do one, I'm in one of these traditions and then, you know, so I'm in the social justice tradition. So I'm going to, you know, sort of ignore the other traditions. No, you have to really be doing all of these. And I think this is one that we would probably point to as one that's often neglected in our own mm -hmm. lives, um, sadly, but uh, yeah, a very important tradition, obviously that goes back to the earliest days of the church. Mm -hmm. And I've just noticed that all these traditions you're talking about were very clearly displayed in the life of Christ. And that's what we're seeking yes, to embody in point, this yeah. idea of cultivate. Like Jesus sought to serve the least of these and called us to do the same. And so, yeah, I'm just seeing that as well in all of these and our call to look like him looks like also practicing all of these traditions. Yes, that's a great point. And of course, like if you talk to 
anyone who are, who's in one of these traditions, they're going to be able to point to scriptural passages. And, and as you point out, in particular, moments in the life of Jesus in which this tradition is sort of lived out or like kind of sort of uh, exemplary, uh, uh, just a good examples of the tradition in action and in scripture. Perfect. Let's move on to the evangelical tradition. Sure. Yeah. This is, this is one that I'm sure a lot of our listeners are familiar with, if I had to guess, uh, just kind of being in the culture that we are in, in, in sort of the Bible Belt, um, where there are, are a lot of evangelical Christians of this stripe. And and really, just a quick summary of it is it, the evangelical tradition really emphasizes the spreading of the gospel to the world. It emphasizes the Bible, especially, and evangelizing non-believers. And, and of course, so one of the spiritual practices practices associated with this tradition is going to be reading scripture and reading scripture every day, doing a, a quiet time you might think of as sort of that daily practice of, of reading your Bible and praying. And when I thought of a historical movement that was kind of an example of this, I really just thought of a person. I just thought of Billy Graham, I think really uh, is a good example of this um, because and I, and I don't think many people as just an individual could be considered a whole movement, but uh, Billy Graham really was the face of Christianity for a lot of the 20th century for this sort of evangelical movement. And he just preached to these enormous crowds. And a bunch of people um, came to Jesus because of the simple message that Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. You know, if you had to sum up Billy Graham's message, that's it. Uh, and that's really what evangelicalism is all about at its very heart, at, at the core of what it is, is that the Bible is true. And it tells us plainly the message of the gospel, that Christ died for us, he died for our sins, and we need to tell the world about this message message because it's so important. So that, that's really what the evangelical tradition is, um, is, is going to emphasize. Sweet. Um, so last but not least, the incarnational tra- tradition, tell us about it. Yeah, this is a fun one. So uh, if just incarnational really quickly, it kind of refers to the incarnation of Jesus, which is just this um, event of, of Christ uh, becoming flesh, becoming, uh, wor- becoming the, or the word becoming flesh, as, as John says in John 1, 14. And so that's what the incarnation refers to, is, is God becoming a man. And so the incarnational tradition uh, kind of in that vein is just a recognition of God's presence in the material world. And it kind of starts with that basic theological fact that that God did become a man in Jesus Christ. And so from that, it says, okay, well then... God can actually infuse the material world. He can infuse physical things um, with his presence. And that actually our involvement in the world um, can be a way of interacting with God and participating uh, more fully in God. And so I, the historical movement had actually had a hard time with this one. Um, and so I went with a, a pretty obscure one, which is the defeat of iconoclasm, which is kind of funny, I think. But anyway, it's it, really short, really brief in the eighth, ninth century, there was this sort of debate um, and the Christian movement was facing this, or the Christianity was facing a movement called iconoclasm, which really just repudiated any use of iconography, any sort of religious images in worship. Um, And a council met and and sort of debated the merits of each side and determined ultimately that the use of icons were valid in worship because God had become a man in Christ. And so now I'm not trying to push icons on anyone or, or try to say anything uh, about whether we should use icons, only to say that the church has spoken decisively um, that because God could dwell in human flesh, then he can actually also infuse the material world with his presence. And that that's something that we have to understand as a real possibility. 
So I think a really good spiritual practice off of that is feasting. And it's mm-hmm. it's not one that we often think of as a spiritual practice. I mean, we might think of taking the Lord's Supper as an example of this or the Eucharist, which is one of the earliest uh, practices of the church. Um, but I also think just uh, apart from this sort of specific act, the, this tradition really believes that a community that gathers around a good meal and enjoys good food is actually its own form of spiritual practice. And it's a way of enjoying the good things that that God has to offer. So I think really at the heart of the incarnational tradition is that God did create the world and he created the world very good. And he created the world for our enjoyment. And he doesn't want to stifle, um, you know, pleasure, good things that come from the world and from from, uh, physical things that that we interact with on a daily basis. So that's that's really how the incarnational movement, um, how it kind of sets itself apart. So we were just given a whole lot of great information (laughs) about six different traditions. So Derek, can you tell us like what would be the goal for this week for our groups? Absolutely. I think it's really just to have a conversation about where you fit in and where maybe your group fits in, where CSF fits in, where your um, church tradition maybe fits in. Uh, And I think it was really helpful for me to read about these different, uh, these different streams of living water to see, to kind of, see the places that I've come from and the communities that I've been a part of, the church communities, uh, kind of which streams they flow in, if that makes sense, and which swim, which streams then therefore I swim in. Because I think it's just inevitable that we are influenced by the traditions that we grow up in. And sometimes, and like I said, I think, I think most of the time that's a really good thing and that these traditions all have really valuable things to offer, spiritual practices, that they emphasize that we ought to all live into. But I also think that these each each of these traditions um, also has, if you can you can swing the pendulum a little bit too far, each of these traditions has maybe some some danger areas. Not not to say that they, you know, that they all they they're bad or something like that, but um, just that if we're not careful and if we don't understand the sort of dangers associated with each, um, that can also be a problem. And often whenever we do swim in a particular tradition and in a particular stream, I think we, we can pretty easily like think of other streams as less than, or as, you know, if you're in the incarnational tradition, then you might think of the social justice tradition, let's say, as just an example, or the evangelical tradition, you might think of them as, well, you know, they're, they're Christians, I guess, but, but, you know, that, this tradition, the incarnational tradition, that's the real way to be a Christian. And if you're the the holiness movement would be a good example, because those, you know, emphasize sort of two sides of the, the same coin, maybe, but, but sort of different ends of a spectrum. And, you know, to be able to look at that other movement and say, well, that, you know, that's not really how you should be a Christian. This is how you should be a Christian. So I think having that conversation in your group, um, being open and, and clear about which traditions you've been influenced by, I think is really important. And I know this kind of might, it might all seem kind of out of left field that we're talking about all these traditions. And then, you know, next week, boom, we're going to start reading through Romans and just talking about Romans. But I really do think that our tradition doesn't just influence how we think about our faith and our spiritual practices, but it also influences how we read the Bible. And whenever we 
you know, come to the book of Romans, for instance, and, and we're reading it, we're going to read it through the lens of the traditions that we were raised in. And uh, I just think we it's good to be aware of that, and it's going to help make us better readers of the Bible, but it's also going to help us, uh, I, I think, give us some streams of water, of water in order to um, just cultivate us better and more deeply. And so, that's kind of our hope is that we begin here, kind of get clear on on these traditions in our own lives, um, how we can kind of move towards traditions that we often neglect, as well as uh, kind of avoid some of the errors of of our own and dangers of our own tradition. Um, So just having that conversation in your group, I think, is what we're kind of aiming at. Yeah, I've really liked what you either said it or it's in your curriculum guide that um, our traditions that we are experiencing kind of color how we read scripture. Um, and so I think that is also important to think about as we go through Romans this semester together, just the ways that um, the traditions that we practice are in the traditions that the people next to us in group are practicing um, color the way we read scripture. And I also think that it's cool that we're reading Romans, which was meant to be a letter that unified the Romans and the Gentiles in the church. And we can see this as a way to like unify um, ourselves with one another if we're um, walking in different traditions or have different traditional backgrounds. Um, so Derek, do you have any final thoughts for us before we go? Yeah, I do. And I'll be brief. Um, <laughs> the, the introduction of the book says that, look, we don't think that Christ, the Christian life is a Bible study. And I think sometimes some of us that grew up, especially in one of these traditions, um, it might think that they're like, okay, as long as I'm just reading my Bible and doing this, then then I'm being a, a good Christian. And that's absolutely not true. Like that's what we did last semester is we talked about all these different spiritual disciplines, um, prayer and fasting uh, and reading our Bible obviously is, is one of them. Um, but this semester we are going to focus on just reading our Bible. We are going to focus on the book of Romans. And that is not meant at all to exclude these other traditions or exclude these other spiritual practices that we think are crucial, critical to our faith. And and absolutely, throughout the course of the semester, we will return to those practices. They're going to come up in our conversations about about Scripture. But we just really believe that Scripture is a good place to start, that it's it's the rich resource which continues to be, um, to to use the metaphor, to extend the metaphor, a stream of living water for all of us, um, that we can really read, come back to this past, to, to Romans, this book, time and time again, and to continue to uh, have our thirst quenched, we might say, um, by this stream. And so, don't take it as, oh, we're just doing Bible study, so we're not we're not concerned with any of those other streams. That's absolutely not true. We are um, concerned with them, but we thought this could be a helpful way to kind of frame that. Like, why are we doing Bible study? Um, look, we think that it is one of the most important spiritual practices, and it is kind of associated more with one tradition than the others, but we're not excluding these others. And we want those to be a part of your Christian life as well. We think that's an absolutely essential part of how God is cultivating you and your life. Um, And we think that especially this semester that Romans can, can help us do that even better. Perfect. Well, Derek, thank you so much for joining us this week. And thank you all out there for listening to the Curriculum Podcast, and we'll see you next week.